This is the only podcast that gives you a 20-minute guarantee. Give us 20 minutes of your life, and if you're not completely satisfied, you'll you'll get get your your minutes minutes back. back. No No questions questions asked. asked. It's a Minor Detail Podcast. All right, thanks, Jess. Welcome, everybody, to a Minor Detail Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 2nd. Hope everybody had a good Monday. We have a great show today. I have not done this before. Don't know if I'll do it again. I'm going to have one guest for the entire podcast today, and I can do that because it's my podcast. My name is right there in the title. And if I say I want this guy on for the entire time, we're going to have him on for the entire time. Because not only is he a great singer, he is living his life right. I love what he stands for, and I think now in our country we need somebody positive like this guy. He was on the first season of The Voice. Uh, which is kind of cool. I wanted to bring him on because The Voice came back last night. We'll talk a little bit about his time on The Voice. Finished in the top 10 on CeeLo's team. But what he's doing now with his music and his life is something everybody should have a chance to do. Do it your own way. We welcome Curtis Grimes to the show. He is out on the road. And I got to tell you, man, I'm hearing no road noise, which is great. Great. All right, cool. I even have my little Bluetooth headset on. So this is amazing. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so uh, I want to, before we get into what you're doing now, I got to talk about The Voice, uh, which came back last night, was the first night, back for the new season, uh, and then it'll be on again tonight. And uh, you had your trip there. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, first of all, when did you first decide, I think I want to go do that? Well, honestly, I didn't. I was at a Best in Texas seminar. Uh, who used to hold the Texas music chart. Yep. Um, and I was on my way back. I was in Houston. I was living in Austin at the time. And my manager called, uh, emailed me about you doing an audition for it. Uh, and it's on this Saturday. Uh, do you want to do it? And I was supposed to play my mom's uh, birthday, my 50th <laughs> birthday party that <laughs> night. So I couldn't cancel that gig. So I told him if there's any way I could do it, like, early in the morning, you know, obviously it would be stupid not to. Uh, so so they did. They allowed me to have, like, an appointment. So I didn't have to wait in line and do the whole shebang. I had, like, a 9 o'clock audition time, went in there, sang three songs, and they they asked if I could come back the next day for kind of the next round of cuts. So we drove six hours, played my mom's birthday party, turned around and drove right back and straight back to the studio there. And, uh, and did another round. This time, they just handed me a piece of paper and said, basically, thank you for trying out. You may or may not hear from us. Uh, if you don't hear from us, we'll put you in our database, maybe for another season. So I didn't hear anything for like three weeks. And then we're on our way to play a show in West Texas. And I'm going up the gas pump, and I have a random number from Los Angeles calling me. So I answered it, and it was them. And basically, they said, hey, uh, you're going to come to L.A. next week. <laughs> Here's your flight information. Uh, good luck. <laughs> and uh. so, so a week later, I'm on a flight to uh, Los Angeles. I'd never been there before. I'd never really done anything to that uh, capacity uh, other than we won a radio contest uh, a couple years before that to open for Kenny Chesney uh, uh. there in, in Austin on, on his Poets and Pirates tour. Yeah. And at this time, people don't, people don't realize, like, at one point, Kenny Chesney was the biggest name in country music. And this was like his fifth year of being Entertainer of the Year. So it was the biggest country concert that was going on at that time. And up until then, I had only played, you know, at little dive bars in front of 30, 50 people. 
Uh, and so then we go in there in front of 16,000 at the Irwin Center in Austin. And uh, so fast forward two years, I'm on a flight to L.A. doing the voice thing. And uh, it was it was pretty incredible, man. I, I met a lot of amazing artists that were kind of in my, in the same boat as me, up-and-comers. Uh, and there were people that had already had multiple record deals. And then there were people that had only sang at a high school talent contest before. Uh, and so you're kind of like, you know, secluded with this group of people for a, for a couple of months. And you kind of, you become pretty good friends with them. And the neat thing for me was we would sit around and do kind of these jam sessions, little kumbaya singing things. So, so I may do a song on acoustic guitar. And the person next to me might be on a little piano, a little keyboard playing something. And the person on the other side of them might be on a little ukulele. Uh, and then kind of like everything in between to that. So that was the coolest highlight part of me for that. And, and also, man, I learned so much about the entertainment industry. Like I didn't, all I knew up until then was get a PA system, plug it up, play a show, tear it down, <laughs> go home. It was cool, man. It, it was really good. And, and, uh, I always give props to Blake Delton. I was on CeeLo's team. Uh, he was the only one that turned around. So I was thankful for that. Uh, I would, I would have preferred to be with Blake. But uh, nonetheless, I was in C-Lo's. But Blake, he took his guys out to uh, to a karaoke bar one night. And uh, one night after the show, he came to the hotel and was hanging out at the bar with uh, with a lot of them. So, so he's a, he's a, the real deal, man. The real deal. My pal Curtis Grimes is on the podcast today. Hey, let me ask you: Do you think this thing would still be going on for ten years? Man, I one after the first season was so successful, I knew they had something. And of course, Mark Burnett is the guru of reality TV. Uh, And fun fact about him, that that dude's pretty down to earth, to be honest. Like, I I didn't expect to see him, but he was there while we're filming. He came, he walked around before before we went out to do our live audition. He'll walk up to you, shake your hand, worry about it, you got this. On the ground level, I thought that was pretty cool. He also rolled up in, like, a Bentley one day, a Rolls Royce one day, Mercedes one day. So, like, I, I thought that was awesome that Mark Burnett took the time to talk to the contestants. All right, one more thing about this, and then we'll get to what you're doing now. i got to ask you this, because I've talked to a friend of mine the other day. We got to talking about Idol and The Voice. Why do you think there hasn't been an abundance of winners that have had success? I mean, you don't want to knock the whole process, but even with Idol, there really haven't been more than about a handful that you would say were huge successes. All right, I'll give you the cold, hard truth about it. The show is designed to make a hit television show. It's not designed to make superstars. So, essentially, we're pawns in the game, and we are using them for the exposure. They're using us for content, but the main goal is to make a hit TV show, not to develop stars. Uh, And another thing, too, a lot of the people that you are introduced to on the show They've been in Nashville. They've been in L.A. They've been in New York. They're not newbies to the entertainment industry. My, my prime example is I go back to a show called Nashville Star. I remember the first season, Buddy Jewel won. John Arthur Martinez finished second. And finishing third was a young lady named Miranda Lambert. And I thought, well, now there's an inexact science. And then you look at uh, Jennifer Hudson, who finished sixth. She's done okay. Yes, sir. I think of Chris Young when I think of uh, Nashville Star 2. He's another one that was plugged in the industry before the show. After the show, they ran with 
Yeah, exactly. And I, and, I, and this is not all negative stuff. This is just the reality of it, right? Yeah. It's 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 a it's a TV show. It's not a hey, we believe in you. We want to help launch a career. It's a hey, you want to you want exposure to launch a career on your own? Here you go. Here's an opportunity. And then that's exactly what it is. So you make the most of it. And it's up to you what you do after that with the exposure you're given on the show. So I'm thankful for it. And, uh, and I'm also thankful that that's not my identity. You know, I'm not thankful that that's the only thing that I can talk about for the next 20 years. Like, I, uh, I hit the ground running. We were playing shows the next weekend when I got back. And then uh, probably about six months later, that buzz wore off from the show. And then it was, what are you going to do as an artist? Yeah, we had a couple of guys from right down here in our area, uh, the Swan Brothers. And I can remember after they were on the show for the first year, that's all you heard was in their shows. You saw them on The Voice. After that, you got to start doing it on And you've done that. And, man, I'm, I'm proud of you for that. Hey, let's talk about what you're doing now. I'm not going to say you've completely changed course, but uh, this music you're doing now, talk about when you first decided, I think I'm going to start trying my hand at, at Christian country, and it's really been amazing. So I always, I always give kind of the backstory. I grew up in the church. I got saved when I was pretty young. Uh, so when I was in the youth group, I was pretty active, you know. I, uh, and then when I got all into high school, then I started hanging out with some baseball buddies on the weekends, started drinking, partying, hooking up. And uh, and then when I went to college, that kind of increased exponentially. And then, then I stopped going to church regularly. You know, I didn't have my parents, you know, accountability. That's about the time I started dabbling in the music, in the music stuff. So when I came into the music realm, I was just parting it up. So I just, just did what I thought that you do if you sang music for a living or if you were a music artist. And about five, six years into that, I started having a lot of conviction for it. I started having a lot of conviction. And I and I remember when I was little, I would always say, I wanted to be Nolan Ryan. I was a baseball guy. So like Nolan Ryan was like my dude. Oh, yeah. So I was like, man, when I grow up, I want to pitch for the Texas Rangers, and I want to use that platform <laughs> to tell people about Jesus. Well, here I was with this smaller platform, but nonetheless, the, the opportunity to influence and reach a lot of people, and I was definitely not doing that. And not only was I not doing it, I was doing complete opposite. I was putting out songs and lyrics and content that are completely opposite of pointing people to the Lord. And so, like, that conviction was tough. That was a hard pill to swallow. So from that point on, I made it a point that if I'm going to continue doing music, I'm going to, I'm going to do positive faith-based, traditional country music. And if that, if that doesn't work, if I can't make a living doing that, then I was ready to get another job or I was ready, willing to accept that and get another job and just do music for fun or join the worship team at church or whatever. And what that did was take all the pressure off of feeling like I had to do this to get a radio song or I had to do this to get a record deal or I had to do this to, to be famous or whatever. And so from that point on, that's, that's what I've been doing. And, uh, and a couple of years after that, uh, I started posting what I call motivational day videos on my social media and YouTube. And people started asking if I would consider doing a gospel record. And I didn't have the money to do that. So I set up a GoFundMe account. And not only did we raise enough money to record a gospel record, there was more than enough left over. And I didn't feel comfortable profiting off of this endeavor. So uh, it was put on my heart to give, give people Bibles, to distribute Bibles. Because oh. a lot of us these days are, you know, short-tethered to our phone. And to me, there's a big difference between 
opening the Word, turning the pages, and really soaking it up versus scrolling through your phone, which is just as easy as switch over to Twitter or Instagram and get sidetracked. Um, and also, some people don't have Bibles. We're very blessed in America where we have access to that. Like overseas, like there are people getting persecuted for something. So that was what was put on my heart. And uh, it was right around the time my granddaddy died. And uh, so I, I started up a ministry, kind of in his honor. We called it Ten Finger Ministry. Uh, he had nine fingers for most of his life when he was young. Uh, he was roping a horse, and the dog spooked it, and the rope yanked off his index finger. So uh, whenever at his funeral, we were, we were talking about how now he has ten fingers to worship the Lord. And uh, and so that's where the, the, the name of the ministry came from. And, and since then, we've uh, I put every penny that comes in from sales of the gospel album, or every time I play a church or a faith-based event, I put all that money into the ministry, and every single penny goes to buy a Bible. And uh, all the other expenses I pay out of my band account. So if we play church, I pay my band from my band account. Every penny from the church goes into the into the ministry to buy a Bible. Man, that's uh, fantastic. So that's kind of where my I tell everybody like that's where my passion is. Music pays my bills and, and gives me the opportunity to. Uh, to really promote my ministry and, uh, and and get the word out. Of course, you you had the big song "River Road Dream" that uh, was co-written by Trent Wilman. That guy is an incredible writer, isn't he? Oh, I was so fortunate and very blessed to meet him the first trip I took to Nashville. The guy that I met at the Voice actually named Robert Philhart. He was uh, kind of high up at ASCAP, and he he was actually roommates with Trent. I find out later. But he set me up a co-write with Trent Wilman the first week I was in town. And uh, and since then, he's produced every record that I've done. And I get to write with him through that process. And he is one of the best. Most people know him as an artist from back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but he's one of the best songwriters in Nashville right now. Like, he's just another level. So I'm very fortunate to get to work with him uh, for our project. And now when you go and do your shows, for instance, when you're here in uh, in April... Uh, what do you do in your shows? Do you just do your gospel music? Do you do uh, a little of both, or, or what do you do? So I try to – it's a family-friendly show. It's uh, it's PG from top to bottom. We don't cuss. We don't act ignorant on stage. We don't promote um, a lot of stuff that gets promoted at the at the Texas Country Show. But we also don't condemn people. We don't We don't try to make people feel guilty for what they're doing because here's the deal. That's me. I was there five years ago. I don't, I don't, I, I want people, honestly, my goal is to, to get people at least think about what they're doing, you know, think about it and think about the long-term consequences. Uh, but we're there to have a good time. I'm not there to preach to them. I'm not there to do anything other than play music uh, and, and tell people about Jesus. And that's what we do. Uh, so the majority of our set is, is crap. Now I have a bunch of radio singles. I have 12 number one. So yeah. So that eats up a chunk of the set, and then um, of course I end with the little with the little worship block, uh, and we try to be respectable of people's time and the fact that they give us give us room to play worship songs in a bar setting. So we're not doing the whole song; we're doing the highlight reel. We're hitting the good parts of the song, going on to the next one. We keep that to minimal, and then we always end with uh, with a song I wrote called "Born to Die." And uh, in the, and I kind of give my testimony when I do uh, had a thing, leading into that one, and then of course uh, I introduce Born to Die and just kind of just kind of explain what it's about and kind of where my heart and passion is, and uh, and also just remind people that we have Bibles available at the merch table if anybody wants to grab one to take home with them. Um, but it's you have to be very careful 
about about not coming across too religiously, you know, because that's the last thing I want to do is make someone feel like I think that I'm holier than thou. When that's not the case at all. I think that I'm so broken, like I to have Jesus in my life every second of every day, or I will slip up and start living a life that I don't want to live. And uh, and that's just the, that's just the reality of it. So there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. I see a lot of people doing it the wrong way, and I think that's negative. I think that's pushing people away, and we don't want to put people away. We want to we want to pull them in and love on them, and uh, just tell them and remind them how much that God loves them, regardless regardless of what they've done and and where they are at. Curtis Grimes, the guest on the podcast today. One other thing before I let you get off of here. The pandemic, how did you deal with that? And uh, what did you try to do Facebook-wise and things like that? Did you try the stream thing? What did you do to try keep yourself going when you couldn't tour? So for me, it was a blessing to be off the road for however long we were. Because I had a son that turned six months about the time that the, the pandemic was going on. So you know how it is. When yeah. you're on the road, you miss a lot of baby time. And uh, and I got to spend so much time with my babies and my wife, of course. Uh, and also, we moved into a new house a year before that. So I still had so much to do around the house. I mean, I had a fence to put up. I had landscaping I needed to do. Uh, so I got so much done by being stuck at the house. It was, it was a blessing in a lot of ways. Um, and then, of course, it forced me to take advantage of all the online outlets that are at our fingertips these days. Like, I'm not big on all the, the social media stuff. Like, I do it because I have to, not because I enjoy it. Uh, but the live stream, man, that, that's so beneficial these days because artists didn't have that several years ago. So, so we're really fortunate to have the ability to be right in people's houses instantly um so of course i tried to take advantage of that i was a little different in my approach i didn't post all the inmo paypal hit me accounts because i didn't feel like that was the right time to be asking people for money i know i know we weren't working but a lot of them weren't working either so for me it was time just to connect i just asked them to come out to a show once things got rolling again once they started working again and um, and that's just that's just kind of what my convictions were about that. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you, man. I'm going to see you on March 26th uh, when you're in Tulsa uh, at the Hard Rock. Uh, by the way, people can come see you there on the 26th. You're going to be in our area a couple of times in uh, April. Uh, April 9th, you'll be up at George's in Fayetteville, and as we said, April 10th, you'll be down here in Fort Smith uh, at the Majestic. Man, I- I'm so proud of what you've done. I told you before we went on, first time I ever met you was right after you got off The Voice. And I love what you're doing with your life. I, I feel like you're happy with where you are. You're in a good place right now. I am. And it's nice not being a slave to the industry. To not have other people saying, oh, you need to use this. You need to do this radio single or you need to do that. Like, I call every shot. And so it's a deal, too. If it don't work, it's on me. I don't have to say, oh, well, crap, if you would have let me do this, then it would have. And then you kind of get jaded and you kind of have this, I don't know, you, you get, you get, a, you can get an attitude towards, towards people when they, when they, when you feel like they're controlling you and you don't feel like you're truly representing yourself. So you take all that off the table and you can just get the genuine artist in their fullness and exactly how, why, in the way that they want to promote their career or be branded or marketed, 
And man, like that's a good feeling. And that's where I'm at. So, I mean, yes, of course, I'd love to be rolling around on a Prevo playing, selling out stadium, but there's a lot that comes with that, that, that I don't know if I want to, to sacrifice uh, in order to attain that. So you're right, man. I'm, I'm content and thankful for everything I've been blessed with. And if it grows, then awesome. If this is where I'm at for the next 30 years, then I, uh, I can't complain at all. And you're changing people's lives, and that's uh, that's what it's all about. Hey, Curtis, thanks for the time, man, and I can't wait to see you on the 26th of March, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you uh, down here uh, in Fort Smith on uh, April 10th. Safe travels, my friend. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you letting me join you today. I appreciate that very much. That dude is a genuine article right there. He is as good as it gets. I'm glad I have this platform that I can say, hey, Curtis, you want to come on and talk for 20 minutes? about what's going on in your life. It's a good feeling to have. Curtis and I have a little bit in common there, I guess, kind of doing our own thing. Well, that's going to wrap it up on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, Go to curtisgrimes.com. You can get all the information about what's going on. Uh, All of his tour information is there, all the stuff about his music. He's just doing amazing things. And again, he's going to be in this area three times coming up, March 26th in Tulsa at the Hard Rock inside Track 5, and then he will be at George's in Fayetteville April 9th and here in Fort Smith at the Majestic on April 10th. All right, have yourself a great Tuesday. I'll see you back here tomorrow for another edition of a Minor Detail Podcast. Jess, tell them where they can find us. Well, that's a wrap. Reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. Questions and comments? Email us, minordetailpodcast at gmail.com. Want to get a hold of us? Need to let us know something? We want to know about it. Hit up our 24-hour hotline, 479-388-1638. That's 479-388-1638. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. A Minor Detail Podcast, copyright 2020, the Radio Voice Productions, LLC. I'm Jess, and I'm out.